The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I may be joined as always by a man I guess I'm not going to Lollapalooza with. It's uh, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Uh, Yeah, I guess not. I assume it's sold out. It usually sells out instantaneously Uh, and just didn't, you know, needed needed a big drawing name on top. You got to have a drawing match. You gotta have the big, the big thing that lights a fire in your soul. That's like I have to go to this. I have to sit at the computer so I can buy four hundred dollar tickets precisely the second they go on sale. Uh, there just wasn't that on the Lollapalooza card. Yeah, I I was like pretty talked into it. Although on the basis that you know I think there was some rumor that Blackpink would be there, you know, pre COVID. Uh, but yeah, the the lineup pretty underwhelming. Other than, of course, Limp Biscuit. When I heard that Limp Biscuit was on it, I was like, I'm fucking going. But it just <laughs> wasn't really anybody else on it that I cared about. No, yeah, it's uh, Limp Biscuit. Definitely was the. I mean, there are other acts down there that I, I like and I listen to, but also like we're not uh, young college students anymore. So like going outside and spending all day with all of the, you know. Chicago teens um, in the hot sun for four days uh, is is a lot to ask for to, to see Limp Bizkit and some other acts that I kind of like. It's really not, you know, they say youth is wasted on the on the young. Money is wasted wasted on the middle aged to to slightly. Like now I have the money where I can buy a Lollapalooza ticket and it's not like a massive investment <laughs> like it was in college or whatever. Uh, but it's a lot. No, I, I have to, you know, I have to work. I, I don't I, I don't want to go to all that effort. Yeah, I didn't mind buying the ticket. But then I was like, well, fuck, I'm going to have to, you know, it's like a five or whatever hour drive. I'm going to have to get a hotel. It's like by the time I do all this. Uh, it's going to be a big investment to mostly see bands I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I'm very good at talking myself out of doing things. Oh, yeah. Well, I respect that about you. Uh, and I, I like that. So I didn't get caught paying, you know, whatever, 600 bucks uh, on a trip to see Limp Biscuit. Hopefully they'll just tour closer to me and that'll be good. Um, Mike is also with us. Mike, uh, are you planning to go to any <laughs> summer tours or summer uh, festivals this year? Um, Festivals? No, I'm I'm way too old for that shit. <laughs> I, I mean, like. It, it's something that like even like through my mid-20s totally would have been down for it and 
there's certain people that like they love that kind of stuff and i just really enjoyed it but now like i'm turning 35 in a month and a half i'm just like thinking like okay like all of that that you talked about like the money like the axe and all that and, and then i know i have to get earplugs and i'm just going to feel miserable for about a week and a half when i can just do perfectly well just making myself feel miserable at home yeah i think that's reasonable i don't know if it's you know just covid having to be inside or what but i am just dying to go to a big festival with like big bands but this didn't even hit that mark no. for me no like the number one headliner is foo fighters who i have right. defended on this show and is probably the most popular like rock act right now because they you know played a gin pop, but I've seen them and even then it's like yeah I, I like the Foo Fighters I'll defend the Foo Fighters I don't I don't get fired up in my soul about seeing the Foo Fighters right it's like Megan The Stallion is on the the top line it's like okay that fulfills what I'm looking for in a big summer festival but I needed like four more of those uh, plus you know, some bands that I actually like. You throw all that in there and, and that would have been good. Yeah, I do imagine. I mean, I didn't check, but I, I think probably those are all American artists. And, you know, yeah. so they probably did have plans changed from the original bill. Um, you know, there's usually like a, you know, these events, your Coachella's, your Lollapalooza's. What's maybe the, what's the Bonnaroo? Bonnaroo. Is that the third? Yeah, I would love to one, go to Bonnaroo. Yeah. Yeah, they usually have, you know, one big fuck-off headliner that's like a sort of once-in-a-lifetime kind of yeah. event also, and that's just not... Nothing is approaching that on here. Yeah, like when Outcast reunited and did all the festivals and ended it with their big uh, Dungeon Family show in Atlanta. Like, it, if Outcast was going to show back up, then I'd be like, all right, you know what? Like, yeah that's kind of like one of those things about these festivals is like everyone's so itching to get out, but what's the real difference other than like, as Nate said, like it's probably really difficult getting international artists in here right now, but like what's the difference between the lineup right now and the lineup in 2019? It just does not other than like the ebbs of time. Like, like it just seems like <laughs> how many times has Foo Fighters been <laughs> at Lollapalooza? How many times yeah. like, Perry Farrell's going to do a DJ set. Like, well, that's that's, just... that's part of the charm. Having Perry Farrell bring whatever his uh, little vanity act on in Lollapalooza every year. That's part of the the unique charm. Um, I don't know. 2019, I don't. I haven't paid attention to it. And you know, I don't know. Ten maybe Rage played it maybe ten years ago when that was novel and Rage was not touring. Um, but you know, they do have like unique acts like the like Outcast, like you mentioned, Rage. You know, Daft Punk when they did tours every 10 years if that um and yeah now it's just like hmm. is, is rage touring have i missed that i feel well, like we, i've had we, tickets we, for two fucking years yeah they they have re-announced dates we have to rebuy our tickets for chicago you have to rebuy your tickets well we got a refund oh well, i never rip. i never got a refund right we got a refund and that's going to work to our advantage because before they canceled the tour, they had announced the second Chicago date. So now there's oh. better tickets available. Oh, okay. I understand. Um, okay. Well, that's your that's your festival lineup um, <laughs> report. Nate and I will not be attending Lollapalooza. If anybody bought tickets because you were hoping to see us there, <laughs> I apologize. Uh, I'll give you one free month of the Patreon. I also did when I was, hey. I was like, I'm not... Uh, 
I'm not stressing about tickets or whatever for this. I had it in the back of my mind, like, hmm, I don't know, the Riot Fest lineup kind of looks better. Yeah. Like but that but was then the that was, I didn't have the knowledge that it was also, of course, already entirely sold out. Yeah. Sold right. Out. Yeah. Like the, the Riot Fest lineup, I looked at that and I was like, okay, that's actually, you know, I'm willing to like go through the pain for like a lot of that. But it's just something like now. And maybe it's something that, well, we've gone over how I had a weird background with like music and everything. Maybe it is that because of that, I don't put like higher stock into seeing like a band at a festival where like over the last year, like if I wanted to see an act, I could see it in the comfort of my own home. Maybe I'm like the wrong person to ever talk about these kind of things. Yeah, I think I think if you're you're there's a fundamental difference, I think, in seeing a live concert versus watching a stream. It is it's a it's a more dampened experience than watching a movie at home. And even then I would rather see in the theater. Yeah, I was I was tired of live streams by like May tops of of twenty twenty. It's like, okay, that's good. I need I need to see some live music. I haven't seen any yet, so hopefully soon. Uh okay. We got a little show to do here, is what I've been told. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. We'll let you know what festivals we are gonna go to. I'm at Aaron Light the Car, Nate's at Epitasis, Mike's at Fuji. Hey ya. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, whatever podcast app you use you just type in everything elite hit subscribe you'll get these as soon as they come out on well sometimes it's wednesday night late wednesday night early thursday morning uh, if you use the apple podcast app give us a five-star rating and review uh, it's a great way for people to find out about the podcast if they don't know about it yet and if you want to support the show the best way to do so is go to patreon.com slash everything elite big month of course with the pay-per-view so we will be doing lots of content about that including a live instant reaction show. Uh, the the big news going on. We're gonna. My good friend Aaron Talbot has told me you got to lead with the news. And baby, we got news today. AEW announced that in January 2022, AEW Dynamite will move to TBS, uh, where they will also be joined by AEW Rampage, a Friday night show. Of course, that's going to debut in August of this year. So it's a little confusing because that'll be on. Uh, TNT, but then suddenly everything will move to TBS at the beginning of 2022. Along with that, don't get too married to TBS because there will be four new annual specials. I don't really like the wording of that. Four new super cards, so four per year on TNT starting in 2022. And uh, I think that pretty much covers all the big news from uh, the Warner Upfronts today about AEW. Yeah, uh, you know, we knew the third hour was coming, so it's nice to get a date for that, August. Now we have we have to figure out how we're going to talk about a fucking fourth AEW show on the podcast or something. Um, don't, I think, I, I would probably said I liked Dynamite when they named the show Dynamite. I, I don't remember specifically if I was in favor of the name. I don't like the name Rampage. Uh, it makes me think of Rampage Jackson or Rampage World Tour. Um, don't care for it. Um, and you know, I, I, the, the TBS thing all sounds like positive news from the, uh, from the promotions end, from the making money end, you know, they got, uh, probably some compensation in order to renegotiate what, what network they were on, what, uh, you know, branch of Turner Warner media they were on. Um, but I will miss the TNT brand. I think TNT is a better brand fit for AEW. You know, it, it's hard to 
it's kind of silly because it's just like whatever yeah. corporate logo you put on there. But, you know, it's the Nitro brand. It's the NBA brand. It's going to be the NHL brand. It just has that like sort of live, more exciting feeling. Mm-hmm. Whereas TBS, sure, it was the Superstation. Sure, it has the history of old-timey professional wrestling and stuff on it. But when I think of TBS, I think of like Seinfeld reruns and uh, <laughs> Conan O'Brien, you know, running from Jay Leno with his tail tucked between his legs. Um, I mean, the tbs uh we got funny i i had the i kept on thinking tbs uh the the comedy station for a while and i completely butchered that tag line i know (laughs) yeah so i don't i you know it it seems like you know the viewership is comparable seems like tbs has more viewership overall but tnt has a younger viewership but it's you know pretty negligible difference and maybe aw helps tbs out on that front Mm -hmm. um but yeah, you know, when, when those specials roll around and they go back to TNT for them and you just have the, the TNT logo and the bright lights and Tony Schiavone, just, it's going to be like, man, TNT is the, is the, the vibrant brand of this brand network brand family of this Russo brand family. It, it's something, and I've talked about this behind the paywall uh, over lunchtime when everything was kind of coming in and making sense of it. It's really... I look at this as something that I've kind of harped on that no one else really ever talked about. AEW was never part of Warner Sports. It was always a part of TNT drama, and it seems like that TNT is going all in with the uh, sports, with live sport content, and it seems like that TBS is going to be a place for their, uh, well, for Dynamite, for their reruns, and for whatever original programming, which... I did not realize that TNT had like these series that I saw commercials of tonight during Dynamite. So it seems like it's like that. It, it's something where I'll be interested to see how things really kind of go because with the way that TBS is set up, like Conan's moving off of TBS, like that's happening before 2022. It kind of feels like with the way that they've kind of like approached this and the way that they said, like, okay, this did not extend this deal, apparently, but they got a huge chunk of money for it, that it seems like that they're going to make TBS into the AEW station, in a way. And it seems like that that's going to be, like, the big, like, bolstering pitch, because you'll have, you'll have Dynamite, you'll have Rampage. So that's three hours that hopefully will be live each week, and that's something, you know, bolsters ad rates, and it can trickle down, and I mean, those those uh big bang theory reruns and uh, oh, friend reruns like all of those like it's really hard had... to imagine these AEW bloodbaths like following yeah big bang theory reruns right yeah it, it, it's going to be very discordant in that regard i think that like perception wise it's something that like AEW is trying to turn the clock back to wtbs the superstation the programming that put Ted Turner in a place where he could launch his media empire. Like we all have seen the documentaries and seen the interviews there. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I like the idea of the, of the four super cards. I think that that's something that they kind of been doing on TV anyways, but now it's kind of cemented. There was a trademark that went through today. That was battle for the belts, which seems a little bit too on the nose with clash of the champions, you know, but it, it, it's something where I think that it's, I think that other than like the the whole like image thing of TNT and like the idea that like, Nate as you laid out about it, uh, it 
it does seem like there's like a little bit of perception difference there, but I think TBS long term, it makes sense. And, and I mean, like everyone who was like, oh, uh, Tony Khan's good friend at the network left, the good thing network. How long have we been saying like Warner Media loves the roads, especially Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes? Like, I mean, they're doing a reality show that's apparently not even a part of this deal. So it just seems like that it's a way that they're trying to get deeper into AEW, and it'll be interesting to see when that 2023 negotiation happens. A lot of things on Turner Media or Warner Media with the merger with Discovery Networks coming in, they've got to figure out a lot. Like, that conglomerate is a whole lot of pieces that I don't know how they fit together, and they have, like, six different streaming networks. So something that I think that will be interesting. And, yeah, we have now have four shows a week going from that, going from, like, one, like, nice little two-hour TV show. We're like, oh, yeah, that, 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 that that's manageable. That seems, like, nice. And now it's three hours on TNT or TBS and quarterly uh, Supercards, quarterly pay-per-views. I assume they're still doing quarterly pay-per-views. And then whatever, like, three hours worth of YouTube, like, developmental matches they have each week. So it's a lot of stuff. But, you know, it's interesting. You know, it's something that I didn't know today was the upfront stay until, like, everyone's like, oh, well, when, like, there was a scattering of you should be paying attention to the upfronts coming up here. Like, I had no idea this was coming up this week. I just looked back at the uh, Rose to the Top press release, and it says TNT has ordered Rose to the Top. So I, I guess we... Unless this is all going to change. I, I get the sense this all happened relatively quickly. Um, with Yeah, the, I mean, uh, well, they had to TBS. I think had to secure the NHL deal and then and then figure out how to, to maneuver around that. Um, yeah, the, the quarterly supercards is cool. I think eight is a good number of, you know, big feature events to build for for a wrestling promotion. You know, 12 is definitely too many. I kind of think four is too few. So if you have four big ones and then four you know, semi big ones. I think that's a good number. And then hopefully you get more sort of iterative dynamites. That's going to be my theme for the night where you're, you know, building on stuff and building stuff and fixing stuff and retconning and course correcting. And then really building to those eight, eight featured events in a more, uh, more pointed way. We just need uh, more people to subscribe to the Patreon so we can expand our coverage team. I think for all this, uh, all yes. this content. I think so. Get some, uh, get some, some freelancers. Get some stringers. Is that a like stat stringers? Isn't that like a, an old timey journalism term? Like some guy would be a stringer, <laughs> and he'd be like, you know, in like old timey newsroom movies, somebody <laughs> would go dial in their report from, um you know, whatever current event was going on, they'd go and dial the newsroom on the rotary public phone. I only know that in relation to like, you know, reporting the stats from like a baseball game or whatever. That might be, maybe that's the same but, idea, but I don't know much. Uh, okay. But yeah, there uh, we'll see that we'll be covering it all of course. And uh, we'll see how it goes. We have a, a, a fun little segment here real quick at the top because uh, our friend and journalism, and a stringer is a freelance journalist, photographer or videographer who contributes uh, on an ongoing basis, but is paid individually. So yeah, it's like a freelancer. Okay, all right. Uh, our our friend, our supporter, our patron, Aaron Quinn, sent gifts to all three of us, and she can only be around for a little bit. So uh, we said we would open them on the show, uh, and she is around now. So we're going to do it now. Nate has already opened his. I had not warned him he was not to open it. That was my <laughs> fault completely. 
but Mike and I have not opened ours yet, so I suppose we will do so now on the show. Yeah. Nate, you can talk to us a little bit as we as we do that. Um, okay. What other Stringer <laughs> stories do you have? Well, I started thinking about Stringer Bell. Mike, you have to work on opening your envelope, too. You can't just talk uh, to me. I mean... Okay, there you go. It's, yeah. But your, I, your fingers go in the envelope and I mean, rip! The, the thing is, is that it's I have a cardoid microphone, so you're going to have to give play-by-play play anyways because I'm not opening it directly under it. That's fine. People, that will... Uh, we've got a, we've got a right. note. A piece of paper. Oh, I didn't a get note. a... Did I get a note? Oh, I did get a note. Okay, I, I won't read the note. I mean, I, I feel like the note is probably personal. Oh, right. You is... don't want to. You don't want a uh, a twice vlog series issue where uh, Nayan sent a letter to one of her members and then she started reading it and crying during the whole show. That'd be awkward. Yeah, and you all don't want to know. You know that I'm Aaron's favorite host of the show. You know that'd be that'd be mm -hmm. bad. So nobody needs that. I'll keep that to myself. But this is oh my fucking god. <laughs> Holy shit! What I am looking at. <laughs> Ooh, Mike's, a... Mike's has a different color on his than mine. The signature. Well, this Mine's is pink. A... I got pink. I got white. I think I got blue. This Which is I a mean... a signed Dion Sacone <laughs> Fraser uh, tops card. <laughs> Cute boys club. It says uh, the back. His position is QB or CB. So I guess that is cute boy. Yeah. From... With Hanganui, New Zealand, you you can look and you can't, but you can't touch. Hey, congrats! You purchase a card, and it, it's a wonderful photo, by the way. It's it very alluring. really is. Well, this well, is we uh, should we should go get glamour shots done because that's what this photo is. It's Dion, <laughs> okay, uh, Sakone Fraser, and well, what I, what I could best describe, <laughs> at least on my card, is he looks like he's wearing a dry fit T shirt and athletic shorts. Oh he yeah, is he is standing. In a profile, I didn't know if everyone got the same card or if it was a different edition. And he's licking his lips <laughs> and he, as he's staring sensuously into yeah, he's, he's the himself. camera. He's feeling yeah, himself. Yeah. I, yeah, I gotta I say, I have gotten really good uh, gifts from friends this year, like random wrestling-related gifts from friends. Uh, I don't have I talked about in the show that Oakgan sent me. A, a vinyl version of the New Japan fan rap. Uh, yes, either either on this show or on a Patreon show. Yes, yes, okay. yes. And, and we're still angry that you've never actually had videotape. I, I will. The sound was really bad when I tried to do mm -hmm. it. This card is amazing, Aaron. Uh, I love oh, you. It, thank you for your thank you friendship. So much. This rocks. Uh, I have it already put right next to my Hemika and Konami. I, so yeah, I, I opened this the other day. I was walking, you know, to my to my door and started opening the envelope, and sure. then and then got the door, and then the car just like flipped out to the floor and landed face up. So he was looking up at me, <laughs> and I really I I. I Burst out laughing just really brought me a lot of but, joy. Not, I mean, neither of you guys have broached the question: Why does Deion Sacone Frazier have a top trading card in which he's well, a cute boy? Well, I do know that he's gotten into the the uh, playing card game or the trading card game mm -hmm. lately. Yeah, he's a card boy now. Okay, so this I, was, this was old news to you guys. Well, I didn't I, know I, that he had a card. I just know that he. Like, I didn't know he had. He apparently, he apparently is selling them these himself on the Facebook group for the it's Major so Wrestling Figures podcast. Oh, okay. It's so good. Uh, some of us in twenty twenty one have become cute card boys. Others of us have been looking at eBay for uh, 
SNES cartridges that were from Japan. That's right. We Super do Famicom. a lot, lot of people getting into the action figure game recently. Mm-hmm. I'm getting into the uh, uh, exorbitant K-pop prices for vinyl albums game. That's <laughs> How much is a LP? Um, well, I, the, I think the Rosé one was, was probably like $45 for two tracks. <laughs> for 33 Uh, Yeah, yeah. Wow, I I got. Well, uh, you have to understand, okay. of course, K-pop. It comes with you know thirteen right, additional yeah. items in there. Hey, hey, I'm a Yukika supporter. I have when I got her CDs, the amount of just like random like stickers and photos and shit that oh, yeah. added in there is rather impressive. So yeah, and that's that's uh, I've seen that one. It's like a you know full open sort of booklet for the for the CD. Now for the mm-hmm. vinyl, it's you know fucking a a, a big box. That's what it is. Oh, speaking of big boxes, it's time for Elite or Delete. Not, uh, not one of your best. I don't know, man. I thought about <laughs> saying something crude and I just decided against it. So uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Nate, your favorite thing from the show this week? Um, What was my favorite thing from the show? I was halfway hoping that because we were going to talk about the TV news at the top. That we we're gonna do a uh, one of these shows where we skip lead or delete and no one oh, tells me. Well, we can do that. No, that's okay. I can come up with one. Here's my here's my take on the show. Um, not not a show with you know all these big fucking high concept angles or you know you know big props or big in ring segments or you know big betrayals and stable joinings and shiftings and all this stuff. Uh, just a very solid iterative show where you know in game design aaron a good video game is often marked by having a lot of time to iterate on the game that you have you know so you build the level and you build the mechanics and you build the story uh and you lay those things out and as you get the sort of critical elements of your video game there then the more time you have to go back over them and iterate on them and you know add additional content add side content add add connections from one part of the game to the other part of the game sort of the more complex and layered game or, you know, experience you have. And this was a, a good one, I thought, where they didn't do a lot of big stuff. They just had good, solid segments that built guys, you know, uh, give guys good wins leading up to their big programs with people or, uh, you know, have guys out there, smart Mark Sterling, just like retconning the whole Jade Cargill thing that doesn't make any sense. And like, I'm going to do my best job of making this nonsense make sense. Uh, and I, you know, that's good for, for pro wrestling. You're putting money in the bank. You're making a good foundation for telling these bigger stories that will land better. Uh, so on that point, uh, I was, I really like the pinnacle segment on this show. I think this feud is basically the story of the pinnacle, you know, trying to go back to being violent superstar heels uh, and their attention with Chris Jericho, who wants to do his stupid WWE bullshit skits. Uh, and that's pretty much exactly what MJF keeps saying is promos. Uh, and I think he's exactly right. And I think this Pinnacle segment, I mean, it's still fundamentally a backstage skit. It's a little, you know, uh, vignette. It's a little, you know, produced feature on the show. It's not in the ring, but it just is so much better than <laughs> the inner circle shit where they come out with a water hose and spray people down or want to do, you know, these debate segments and have 
uh, goofy questions from Luchasaurus and this shit. You just got fucking Sean Spears being a scary, violent dude. You got Wardlow stealing the show without doing anything as per usual. Um, and it really worked for me. So I'm going to, I'm going to say the pinnacle was my elite pick. I'll say that Wardlow made this segment. I completely agree with you on that. I felt like that him first in the foreground, like, like they weren't even doing back background corpse. And they're like, you're going to do your thing, big dog. You're just going to do this in front of the camera and not just be in the background doing funny things, just chugging a ball of wine, then stealing Sean Spears's uh, full dinner because Sean Spears flipped out was incredibly amusing. I thought that MJF's promo was, I mean, when he's focused and it's not like a seven-minute diatribe or political speech, he's he's effective promo. I think that it's something that I'll be very happy when they're back on the road and he gets back to doing like 90 seconds why this town's piece of shit because I think that's actually like his best promo work is those quick ones there. But, you know, it, it was a lot less discordant and just like bizarre as the Inner Circle segment, so... I totally understand like that. And I mean, Wardlow was very funny in this. And you, you had the, the, the fact that they, that they definitely went to a Morton steakhouse and it's like, Hey, <laughs> this company's obsessed with Morton steakhouse. So we're going to be filming there now instead of doing it backstage. One of the FTR guys tweeted a picture from it and was like, we're shoot rich. Cause they, they went to the steakhouse or whatever. It's like, dude, if you go to a restaurant where the decor on the wall is framed photos of a pier that they got at bed, bath and beyond, you're not eating at a rich person restaurant. Uh, I mean, while we're here, I'll just go ahead and delete this segment. <laughs> uh, I hated it. I hated the whole, almost the whole episode, really. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But this particular, I mean, it's kind of, it is indicative of a lot of their problems, which is just doing the same shit week after week, where it's like nothing really happens. Nothing really changes. Uh, it's just... I mean, MJF has been doing this exact same thing for months at this point. Uh, so I'm just very bored of it. The Sean Spears thing I thought was uh, cringe. <laughs> he did cringe on TV. Um, I hated that. It was funny that like FTR bald is just droning on and they're like, ah, we're just going to do this Sean Spears thing now instead of letting you continue to talk. I thought that was good. Uh, but yeah, overall, this I didn't like this episode, but I thought that this hmm. was yeah this and the inner circle thing like their whole thing together i thought was the worst part of the show yeah i don't i don't it is it is true that aw has i don't know i i don't feel like a problem of theirs has been that they keep doing the same thing over and over again i think the thing that's been chafing me more recently is that they're just doing so fucking much um all the time and this is like a good this got like great characterization on this episode like you know I don't, maybe my other favorite thing on the show is Anthony Agogo just punching Austin Gunn in the gut a, a, like a few times. And it's like, nothing really happened there. All we did was see Anthony Agogo do the same thing that he's been doing on television and on dark for however many weeks. But, well, uh, it just, uh, was executed so well that I'm like, yes, this is what this character should be. This is how you get that over to an audience of normies. And then, when he gets to Cody, it'll be like, yes, now we're stepping up to a bigger event instead of everything instead of everything running at 11 all the time. This was a nice episode that varied from like, you know, six to eight so we can fucking peak for the big stuff. Well, Anthony Gogo was my elite. So that's why I was going to try to jump in there, Nate. Uh, 
the reason why this rocked was this was the uh, ideal of what a squash match should be. Austin Gunn was fantastic in this, holding up his end of the deal. He got his one big blast Ooh. of offense. Then he got socked in the stomach, uh, and then he tried to fight out, and then he will. He got socked in the stomach again. He started spitting up blood, and then he 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 caught one to the dome. It it ruled like it was less than five minutes, and everything was accomplished there. It was very successful, and I just thought that this was really just completely successful and how they're portraying a go-go and just everything they've done with Anthony Agogo has been truly exceptional. And the governor is, it's something where like you see how they've like kind of developed it. And it's something that he's already such a strong promo and we've seen that he can be able to do something like this. And it's going to be real interesting to see where he develops. And again, Austin Gunn was awesome in this match. Like, did everything possible? Had his had his had his hope moment, and then just ate shit as he should. And I thought that this, I thought that like most of the matches on the show actually were all genuinely enjoyable for one reason or another. But I thought like this was something that really stuck out to me because how long has it been since you've seen like a really good squash match? Because we got two solid ones on the show and two completely different kinds of them. I, I honestly, I think AEW's greatest squash matches. They just don't do them enough. I think almost every squash match that they do do is good. Um, but yeah, this was. I, I I love that they didn't totally just kill Austin like he had the flurry of offense at the beginning, uh, and that's you know I think that also plays into Anthony Agogo's character well because he shouldn't be a great ga- a grappler with a lot of experience you know wrestling guys and dealing with all these other maneuvers. He should be a guy who looks for his one spot. And when he hits the spot, it's, you know, fucking super damaging. Uh, and that's like the story in this match. And that's what happened. And that's why it was awesome. Um, yeah. you know, I, if I have a complaint, they didn't like Austin guns, super protected in AEW. Uh, they didn't really put over I on know. commentary enough, like how his win loss record and, you know, uh, uh, how he's, you know, it's not like he's an up and comer. Like, I mean, he is an up and comer in the, in the reality of this promotion. Um, in the kayfabe of this promotion, it's like, no, this guy fucking wins all the time. He should be a superstar right now. Uh, so they didn't do enough of that for my taste and commentary, but they also, you know, gave him the sort of valiant babyface stuff where he's like, no, I'm not going down with like in one gut punch like all the other guys. I'm not going down in two gut punches. I'm going to be, you know, clawing at you the whole way. Um, and all I really wanted from Anthony Agogo's build was somebody spitting up blood or shit in their pants. So we got that. So I was very happy with it. I'm looking at the roster page right now for everyone who is undefeated in their career in AW, and this is the list, uh, at least of men. I haven't got down to the women yet. It is uh, Sting, Christian Cage, Anthony Agogo, and Colton Gunn, all undefeated. <laughs> yeah, he's got to get that. Colton Gunn cannot have uh, a better record than Austin, for sure. Jade Cargill is the only woman who's undefeated in AW. Uh, yeah, I watched the uh, Anthony Agogo uh, piss boy promo that was on Twitter. And it's like, yeah, this dude is like a huge fucking star. It's like he uh, should kill everyone. They're doing a good job. It's like it's interesting. There's a few people that I think they've really done a great job with, like slowly giving them to us in a way that that makes them turn out to be bigger. Uh, like Darby, for example, is like a guy that they could have easily anybody I've seen other people do it could have easily fucked him up. But they like kind of slowly fed him to us until he was 
Uh, everybody was like, oh, yeah, this guy rules. A go-go, a guy you could also fuck up pretty easily, I think. I can think of another company that would fuck up a go-go pretty easily. But they don't seem to be like hitting us over the head with him yet. Now, they run the danger of doing it when they partner him with Cody, who wants to uh, bash you over the head with everything. But uh, so far, they're doing a great job. So I'm excited about a go-go, a go-going forward. <laughs> oh, God. I don't I don't endorse that joke and I, I doubly do not endorse you immediately laughing at your own joke. <laughs> it was more of a I was pitying myself, honestly. <laughs> I was like, what a pathetic piece of shit, basically. <laughs> okay, I, well now you're overdoing it. Um right. yeah, that was it was cool. I do, you know, in WWE they'd have this guy doing uh forward roles in the performance center for five years, and then he would wrestle just like everyone else. That's I don't want him to ever wrestle just like everybody else. I want him to go out there and be a boxer that happens to be in a wrestling match. Like that's that's important to me for how they treat Anthony Agogo. If he ever does in a cravat, then they fucked up. Uh, Agogo, you know, is one of the good like kind of newish people on the show, and uh, my elite pick is also some of the newer talent on the show, and that's the Varsity Blondes, baby. Let it be known that I bought. Brian Pillman Jr. stock at its lowest, at its very lowest. It was like it was like where uh, Doge is today when I bought Brian Pillman Jr. And coming off, of, not just off of the dark side of the ring, I bought it way before that. And he, my contention has always been, and the real Discord heads can back me up on this, that Brian Pillman Jr. is an excellent white meat baby face. Like if he doesn't have to try to like, characterize really anything he can just be like uh, a, a dumb guy who wrestles and like you like him because of that then he's really good at that he's proven that here they had a good match they had a really good promo I thought I don't think of Pillman as a promo guy but he had a good promo so did Griff Garrison the Julia Hart thing is a nice addition to the act they delivered in their main event match with the Young Bucks of course you know delivering with the Young Bucks isn't too hard but they look good Griff Garrison looked good uh, it's all good. I'm just happy for the Varsity Blunts. Yeah, I was happy with this also. I think I said this on Twitter, but you know, WWE when they have when they have people that are like featured in other media, it's like, wow, fucking Rusev is guest starring on Star Trek Voyager. Like, first of all, they wouldn't let him do that because they'd be like, no, you have to give us all of your money from that in order to do that. Um, but they then they wouldn't capitalize on it. Somebody would be in the news in a big way. Chris Masters will have ripped the tree out of the ground to save his mother. Uh, and they won't like use that to the, the advantage and push the guy. Whereas AEW is like, hey, this guy's dad is in the is in the discourse, has been on this documentary series. Like, let's take advantage of that. Let's put this guy foremost in people's minds right now. Let's give him a nice baby face promo at the top of the show. Um and I just appreciate it. it doesn't have to be that they're pushing him to the tag titles or anything. It's just like, hey, let's feature this guy and, uh, you know, give you a reason to like him. Uh, and then he loses to the big vicious heels at the end. And that makes you dislike the heels more. And yeah, Brian Pillman Jr. has come a long way. He was in the worst wrestling match I've ever seen in person when he wrestled Tommy Dreamer at MLW. Absolutely physically painful and grueling match to sit through. Um, and at that point, I was saying I would never buy Brian Pillman Jr. stock. Uh, he was probably also tweeting some stupid bullshit at the time uh, around then as well. Um, but yeah, it's come a long way since then. I always thought he had a great look and has a great presence and, you know, a uh, 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 unique sense about him. He, he doesn't seem like he's just doing his dad or just doing his brother like hot young Briley. Like he's, you know, sort of got a, a, a good evolution of, of what that would be maybe, or, or a reaction to 
his father's time in wrestling more than just trying to be a carbon copy of it. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was happy with this, happy with the match. The match was such like a cool match because now we're getting to see the Bucks in this phase where they basically were like a touring champion team or touring champion coming into a territory and facing like the young up and comer, like white meat baby faces. And they just had the 2021 edition of that match. And I thought it was really good. And I thought like it really used the strengths of Garrison and Pillman Jr. in the right way. I thought that Julia Hart has been such like a interesting addition to this group. Like she was someone that was originally trained by, uh, Mr. Anderson then ended up going to the Nightmare Factory was probably one of the best was one of the, like the two best performers on the Nightmare Factory produce show and then now is like a part of an established AEW like fun mid-card act and I uh, Aaron I know that you watch a lot more Dark and Elevation than Nate does unless Nate sneakily is watching every show and it's just not telling us uh what are your thoughts of Julia Hart so far because I feel like that it's like a very interesting addition and like just kind of came out of nowhere, but it really kind of worked immediately. Yeah. So I don't think I've seen Julia Hart on dark. I, I thought you've, I, I pointed out like, check out Julia Hart. And I thought that you'd listen to my, I know, opinions. but I, I've not been on, uh, I've not been <laughs> That's true. on light the past two weeks. And so because of work. And so when I can't do it, I'm just like, Oh, two, two free hours. I don't have to watch uh dark. So I just Four didn't this watch. week, four hours this week. Yeah. So I just, I just saved myself that time. <laughs> I, uh, had- I I really like them. So the, the the concept is funny. The varsity, like they're like varsity athlete kind of kind of guys, good looking blondes or whatever. And I like during the promo, like she's a two time national champion, or uh, she's a national champion. She puts up two fingers. She's like, no, I'm a two two time national champion, which I'm sure is for cheerleading, which is just a really funny thing to brag about in a professional wrestling context. Like, yeah, I'm a national champion. It's it cheerleading, uh, and now I'm gonna do combat. Um, and I think it's it's a very funny and good addition. I think they should they should get more cheerleaders. I think in in wrestling. Hey, you know the fucking gymnastics shit that they do and the throws and the catches is all pretty correlated with wrestling. Yeah, a lot of strength involved. Yeah. Uh, if you think you know who might be the next champion of say basketball, hockey, I think is also having playoffs. Head over to mybookie.ag. Uh, baseball and basketball seasons are long and with up to 400 potential matches a month you can make you can make each and every one matter by having skin in the game at my bookie you just want to use the promo code elite uh, when you sign up and you'll get your first deposit matched up to one thousand dollars so whatever kind of wager you want to place my bookie is going to give you the best odds tons of option to make sure that your favorite sport is a lot more exciting uh, you can bet on basketball you can look at the odds on any of these uh, play-in games which are still going on in the nba i'm you know whenever uh, you guys are talking i'm checking out what's going on in lakers warriors over here uh, they also have blackjack tournaments you just want to use the promo code elite that's e-l-i-t-e and get that free deposit bonus you can bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie so one of our favorite things that we've bet on ab has been f1 and it's been Something that we almost both like, we both took a rocket ship to the moon last year. But Nate, we we want to engage you with this, so we prepared a quick little game for Nate because this week is the Monaco Grand Prix. It is 
one of like the big historical races on the calendar. And Nate, as someone who kind of zones out during F1 talk, we have a game for you. Mike says kind of zones out during F1 talk. What actually happened is Mike started talking about F1 and I left the room. He was gone. (laughs) And I I, I wild his headphones on. So I was two rooms away. And Mike says, Nate, I am talking to you now. And now we're going (laughs) to, I'm going to engage you and I'm going to answer you, ask you a question in five seconds. All right, so Nate, quick game. We have three questions on here. I'm going to give you two real locations of an F1 race and one fake one. Okay, so this is some five-star match game bullshit because I, I failed at <laughs> this category on that game show, so now you're putting the screws to me. All right, so we were we were going to use Monaco, but I feel like Monaco Grand Prix is kind of like well-known. I've heard of that Just, one. Yeah, you've heard of that one. So here's the first one. Singapore, Azerbaijan, or San Marino? Which one's the fake? Azerbaijan. San Marino. It wasn't, oh, you were talking about San Marino recently, right? And that's why it's in my head. Uh, You were talking about microstates, I swear to God. Yeah, okay. So I was like, oh, that must be, Mike must have F1 on the brain. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Double cross me again. Yeah, all right. So Australia, Abu Dhabi, or New Zealand? Abu Dhabi is definitely one. That's easy. Australia seems like the obvious answer, but I'm going to go Australia. Oh, oh so close. New Zealand Nate. is the fake Oh, wait, one. fuck. Is that the ones that's fake? So, yeah, yes, that, that is what I meant. Whatever. I'll take the L. <laughs> okay. All right. So, the last one you get on the board here. Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, or Qatar? Hmm. Was there something about uh, Woke King Lewis Hamilton in Saudi Arabia? Maybe. Um, I'm going to say Bahrain is fake. Wow, Nate. 0 for 3. 0 for 3. That's sad. That's sad. Okay, I'm going to leave the room again. I was, I was, I was happy outside the room in the first place. <laughs> All right, just make sure that if you want to bet on F1 or anything else, you go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code ELITE to get that bonus match up to $1,000. Our listener ELITE of the week comes from uh, Rawl. Rawl is online on Twitter. No, that's not true. He's the listener delete. That's a little tease, baby. Uh, this is from uh, patron Table, who said this tweet, and it's a tweet from the Murderhawk monster, Lance Archer, and it simply says, we shall see who goes to meet JC first. Um, I really, Mur- the Murderhawk monster tweets, you know, Christian stuff all the time, but it always puts a smile on my face. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm out of here, you crazy knuckleheads. Got to go say my prayers and go to bed. It's like, okay, thanks, murder hawk monster. <laughs> it's so good. Minoru Suzuki has remarked, been like, oh, he is a devout Christian. Like when he was like doing those Ken Poro packs and he got a Lance Archer. <laughs> I was like, that was the first thought that came to mind was, oh, he's a huge Christian. You think Lance Archer tried to evangelize to the <laughs> Suzuki goon? <laughs> Almost certainly, right? Probably. They have some neat-looking churches in Japan. Be like, hey, check this out. All right, well, I've already done my delete, but we'll get uh, the other deletes. Nate, what was your least favorite thing from this week's episode? Shoot. Uh, What else was on the show? Remind me. (laughs) Well, there was a segment with the Pinnacle backstage. (laughs) Yeah, I liked that, so that's out. There was Uh, Even even the fucking uh, Inner Circle one was, like, not great but felt like a reaction to last week and be like, that was a nice diversion. But anyway, let's get back to being serious. Um, there wasn't a lot of like really bad stuff. There was just stuff that I didn't care about. No, I kind of liked, I kind of liked everything. Um, 
I can't delete the bad sound mixing again because I've done that three or four times, I think. You don't have to delete anything. Now you can just don't say no. I, I feel like we've we've I've deleted something every time we've had a had a delete segment. I don't think we've ever done a pass. That feels like the coward's way out. I mean, that's true. That would make you a coward, but I'm just giving you the option. Well, I I can. <laughs> I mean, um, do you, you want know, me to come back to you, Nate? There's a there's a there's there's a, there's a low point. Or a thing that I'm least interested in, but I gave the whole roster amnesty, so I can't just write go back right to Ethan Page. That doesn't seem fair. Have to give him a good old college try here. <laughs> okay, I I don't have to do that. I I can go for you. Nate. Okay, there you go. Although you're yeah. not you're not helping me if you just name Ethan Page because then well, that doesn't that give me any new ideas. Be, that was going to be mine just with all of that. Uh, I think that pretty much the the thing that kind of got me was I really liked the idea of Mark Sterling and like this with Jade and like trying to be like, hey, I work for you. I'm not going to be like another manager here, but I, I'm i ready to see with Jade Cargill with how they've been very particular. Like we talk about Anthony Gogo, someone that they've been very careful with and Jade Cargill is someone that genuinely, generally they've done the same as well, but the, the, this whole like who's going to manage her thing is kind of just like I enjoy Mark Sterling. I thought that Mark Sterling, whenever he's been on air, has been very solid. I'm just ready for the next step in this thing where it's been now at least three weeks of Jay Cargill does not want to manage her because she because she's her own woman and it it's like a different like aspect and and we all know how this is going to end. Like she's going to pull someone completely like not on the roster as her manager and it's just like all right. Like this is solid, but the it's an issue with the promotion sometimes where they just like repeating the same beat, the same uh, segment in a lot of ways week after week, and that was what I felt like was other than like inner circle uh, pinnacle stuff. I felt like this was kind of like the very egregious thing that I was ready to see what the next step is. I don't know. I thought Mark Sterling to me in this did the best part of any of this story it was basically Mark Sterling coming in here and be like, "I'm gonna." Make sense of all of this. I, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm going to work for you. You know, you're not going to pay me or whatever. Like you can retcon that as the guy is trying to get his way into this company. You know, talking about oh, you know, it's not going to be Team Taz. It's going to be Team Jade. Um, I thought that was all. That was all an improvement on what this storyline has been so far because the rest of the storyline has not made a lick of sense. So um, I do. I am like. <laughs> getting negative on that story but this segment was like the first thing it's like okay they could turn this around and course correct this i'm also going to delete nate for claiming that things aren't repeated on dynamite when we spent like months complaining about the sting and and darby thing being repeated we're constantly complaining about them repeating things i'm not disputing that that happened i'm talking about recently there's not any you know you have to repeat things on some level because i mean not repeat but iterate you want to you know move things along slowly you want to get characters across you want to um you know you can't you can't shoot the angle and have everything happen in one segment at a time if mark sterling is trying to get her trying to convince her trying to persuade her to come over to his team and he just goes out there and says hey you should be with me and she says yes that's not a story like he's the whole point is that he's trying to persuade her and woo her and it's going to take some time and then you know maybe it'll be successful maybe not maybe then she moves on to the next person so 
that and that doesn't bother me. That's this was an improvement on what those segments have done so far. I'll, I'll delete. Here's my delete. Um, it's not part of the show. I'm deleting the idea that because <laughs> two really good women wrestlers go out and have a good wrestling match, that that means the division is handled well. Like especially when you have no fucking story, like Serena Deeb and Red Velvet. Like, <laughs> like oh wow, what a great women's division. We just uh, fucking had two really good wrestlers go out and have a match. Um, that's not really the same as having a great division or it being booked well. <laughs> all right, that's all. Uh, yeah, hard agree. Uh, I didn't see that discourse. I've uh, I try to avoid discourse before we record. Uh, but yeah, that sucks. It's it really I thought was more of of a uh, a point that the division is bad in that it's like oh here's what we got is an NWA title match that had well, no build. Yeah, even then, like I'm 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 positive on that because it was a great match. And because it was the second women's match and segment on the show. So they had an earlier match with story and stakes and characters that we've been following for a long time. So everything on top of that to me was gravy. But the idea that because Red Velvet and Serena Deeb, you know, go out and have a great match suddenly means that it's all been handled well or that, you know, this is somehow the doing of uh, the creative or, you know, the production or the booking or anything like that is just not the case it's just that's the fault of the wrestlers and they're 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 doing it all on their own at that point there are people who are just obsessed with saying that you know the wokes are wrong for saying that the women's division is bad so they will defend literally any fucking thing tony khan throws out there that involves women uh so i don't think it really matters what it is but yeah obviously i agree with you all right Listener delete, as teased earlier, Rawl is online, bringing the listener delete. He says, Cody is a giant jabroni loser with the flag. <laughs> Even a go-go comes off better doing UK patriotism. Yeah, that is uh, that is the advantage of this angle is maybe the one country that can say fucking less to anybody uh, about being a good place or a quality state is the UK. So thank, thank God they have that. Uh, you know, in the heels quiver in this story. But yeah, fucking, oh, God, I love America so much. I'm going to, I'm just going to start carrying a flag around all the time. That makes you a lunatic, number one. And number two, you work, I don't know if you know this, Cody, you work in professional wrestling. You're going to bring a flag to the ring, like nine times out of 10, it's going to get spit on or, you, it, you, you know, your opponent's going to blow their nose in it uh, or they're going to burn it or whatever or threaten to burn it. And he, he fucking carries this thing in the ring. And puts it up in the corner like, okay, I don't need this. I'm going to go over here and turn my back to my opponent. Uh, you know, this, I know this is all classic pro wrestling stuff. This is, oh, what a dastardly heel. He took the flag from the, uh, you know, America-loving baby face. Uh, but it's not fucking 1945 or whatever. I don't know. Is that when Dusty was alive? Fucking 32? <laughs> it's not any of those times. Uh, and then a go-go like throws it and Cody literally does like a little hop and like reaches for it. Like he's a child and they're playing keep away. And he's like the two foot tall t child and somebody took his hat and is throwing it to their friend. And that's what Cody looked like. That was the most pathetic part. It really made Cody look sad. I thought. And it's something that like the, the way that a go-go has portrayed this, especially like in his tweets and with like the, the comments he's done, it's just very hard that like that's, you're going with like the white meat blue eyed baby face like i have to protect america like like it's like not showing like any cognizance really like this week like about like this 
weird nationalistic feud. Here's instead the thing. of like doing instead of doing like a feud of, hey, I trained you and you turned on me because you defected with QT Marshall per and you and you completely murdered everyone in our unit. You didn't need to bring this in there to begin with. Yeah, it no, they, they skipped over all that. He got over the fact that his best friend betrayed him and stole his training complex and you know, laid him out and turned on his brother and laid his brother out and made them all bleed buckets and all this shit. He got over that in like two days. Um, Cause he, you know, what he's actually mad about is the fact that the guy's fucking British. What's really sad about it is Cody has a perfectly good country that he could go out there and be nationalistic for. And it would drive people fucking wild with happiness. He could go out there and be like, Hey, Cuba has a fucking lung cancer vaccine. Cuba is solving all the world's fucking ills. I love Cuba. And then he'd be the biggest baby face in the world. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. 
To participate, simply fill up an Orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hard agree. Stan Castro. Um, okay, that's uh, Elite or Delete. Time to run down the rest of the show. Kicked off with Christian Cage versus Matt Seidel. Christian won with the kill switch after the match. Taz and Christian are jawing. Ricky Starks came out. Uh, you know, there's been, uh, I don't think even rumors. I think Ricky has acknowledged that he's injured. But he says, no matter what you've heard or seen, I'm not going to be on the sidelines. Uh, Team Taz attacks from behind. Adam Page comes out, hands Ricky his drink, tries to make the save, almost succeeds, but Hook ultimately gives Team Taz the advantage, and Cage gives Adam Page a big power bomb, leading to their match on Double or Nothing. Yeah, this was a good match. Um, I don't want to say that they do the same thing over and over again, because uh, I already said that wasn't a problem. <laughs> but but Team Taz does do this shit a lot, <laughs> and Team Taz did do this shit a lot in the Derby angle, where you know one guy's uh, you know, talking and the other guys attack from behind or whatever. Um, yeah, the, this was this was maybe just a flat opening to the show because you knew it would be a great match in which Christian wins, and it doesn't really matter beyond that. And then you knew what would happen in the angle afterward. I guess the little twist is that Adam Page, you know, came out and did a babyface thing, but you know, just a, a little bit rote, a little bit flat to start your show. The match was it was a gentleman's three match like it was I enjoyed this a lot more than the Kaz match I felt like that Seidel really kind of like brought an urgency to the match that really needed something just because of how Christian has been in this promotion so far and you know uh Ricky Starks coming out just wearing a suit no shirt and 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 slippers and just like just completely owning like when when he comes back like he's a star like he's a guy like it like he's gonna be the one of the people coming off like a big star in this promotion it's just very clear with like how he just just presents himself and that was like my big positive takeaway was like yeah what i've been saying about ricky starks maybe i shouldn't have said like oh he's gonna be really good in this promotion maybe we should be talking about ricky starks as a future tnt or world champion you know, what might have, this isn't, this might have improved it, which is they had, they already had Taz out there. And I feel like we've seen a dozen times where Taz is on commentary and he stands up and it's kind of a distraction. And then the team Taz guys attack somebody, right? So maybe the improvement to this is that's what Taz starts to do. What the baby faces think they see it coming, but it's actually Ricky Starks and Ricky Starks is the double diversion. And then the other guys attack him back. That's kind of like halfway what this was but maybe it's just like the limitations of Daly's place or whatever that they couldn't lay that out. But then it at least would have seemed like an escalation or a step forward from the, oh, Team Taz attacks guys from behind sort of thing. Then we had a Varsity Blondes pre-tape. Brian Pillman said, most people think he got into wrestling because of his dad, but his dad is actually the reason he stayed away from wrestling. And it was the Young Bucks who showed him that wrestling wasn't so scary. And then Griff Garrison says that he ran merch for the Young Bucks once and they were nice, but now they're mean to him. (laughs) Good setup for the match. Uh, we had a John Moxley, Eddie Kingston pre-tape, which was pretty funny and had uh, a hard cut in it. So they either said something insane or, or fucked it up, but it was funny. Uh, basically, they said, we have to beef up our record because Tony Khan is into analytics. So they're going to beat the brakes off of the acclaim. I, I do. JR kept putting this over, but I like the dynamic between Kingston and Moxley where they don't exactly get along. <laughs> like Eddie, Eddie is kind of frustrated with Moxley a lot of the time. 
uh, and you you kind of get that energy from them. I kind of think that Eddie just outshines Moxley in these, though, and that's kind of like the hard cut to me is kind of like, oh, Moxley, like, you know, just wasn't quite operating at the same frequency as Eddie on this. That's kind of what I projected onto it. But um, yeah, this this act fucking rocks. It's like a fucking miracle that this exists in pro wrestling. Like we didn't we didn't imagine natural sort of uh pairings like natural odd couple pairings does that make sense probably not but yeah i know what you're saying yeah you you can't really imagine this rapport on wwe tv and you know right two to two to 20 years ago in that range (laughs) this for so long in wrestling it was like no you have to you have to filter all of your limitations and all of your hopes and dreams and wishes in wrestling through vince mcmahon's demented mind and these (laughs) fake limitations that he puts on it uh, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, actually you don't have to do any of that at all. We can just have normal pro wrestling now. Uh, and yeah, it's good to, good to appreciate that from time to time. Yeah. And it's something where it's like a very easy chemistry that doesn't feel forced between the two of them. Like it did feel, it, it feels like there's a lot of genuineness there. And then, I mean, you really compare and contrast that with like the acclaimed and really like that's an, it, I think like we talked, I talked earlier about like the perfect squash match the acclaimed are such good at what they are so good at what they do they've they've managed to figure out how to be this kind of tag team and it's a tag team that i think is very useful in this promotion and especially like when you include in the intangibles like max caster's raps and then the music videos and all of that i think that this has like a really nice economy going into the match they had yeah the acclaimed fucking rock um they had another pre-tape and it, I almost was like, oh, man, they should play the rap from from Dark because that was so good. Like, how can they not put that? But then it's like, oh, no, actually, the Acclaim just have another good promo and you can't play every all the good fucking punchlines that they do. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I couldn't be higher on, on Max Caster in particular. And then John Moxley and Eddie Kingston beat the Acclaim. Mox and Eddie won. Is it called the Violent Crown? Yes, that yes. is the move name, the Violent Crown. It's I mean, it's fucking dumb. It's like Mox or Eddie holds the guy up so mock can just do a paradigm shift and well it, it's funnier if you break down the etymology of it which is that uh uh mox is unscripted violence and eddie is the king so they yeah. literally just took half of their little nicknames and like what if we put these guys it's basically benefer but is a <laughs> fucking wrestling maneuver uh so that's funny <laughs> uh yeah this was a really good match this was yeah. a, this was a really good uh you know like superstar team versus established tag team who you want to protect you don't want to kill but you know they also have to make way for the fucking superstar team uh just really really asserted themselves well and uh you know delivered on making you want to see eddie and and moxley get a shot at the young bucks yeah and like that's the thing that's about the clean are so good they've mastered their act like they're such a great heel tag team that can eat shit in a match like this. I've, I've said shit a lot tonight. I apologize, but can can basically like talk a big game and then be defeated by the triumphant baby faces, and they're just going to like put out like another rap, uh, another rap, another music video, and they're going to get all their heat back. It's like a perfect act right now. Yeah, and it's it was like the right thing to do there, and the match and the chemistry they had it was a whole lot of fun. Like this was, it wasn't a great match, but it was like a fun TV match. And I felt like that it accomplishes its purposes. Also just a great example of like the top baby face ace, uh, uh, ace privilege that you get 
in pro wrestling, which is like everybody else when Max Caster does his raps and, you know, has fucking great punchlines about whoever he's wrestling. They just kind of sit in the ring and take it or whatever. Uh, but the, he says it to, to Moxley and kicks in. And then while Bowens is getting in the ring, it's like, no, actually, I'm going to fucking hit you in the face now. And you're going to sell it like a clown. Uh, and that's just, you know, in an arena, that would have been a huge fucking pop. Uh, Scorpio Sky. No, that's not right. Chris Jericho is with D Malenko. Alex Marvez shows up. Uh, asked him if the inner circle is going to accept the Pinnacles challenge. And Jericho says, everyone will have to wait. I fucking, this is what I really fucking hated <laughs> is the inner circle challenged the Pinnacle to a match. They said, hey, we want to have a rematch. They goaded MJF into saying, okay, and it's going to be a stadium stampede. And then they did this whole dumb shit on this episode so oh. that they could build up to a speaking segment and it's like no, you challenged him to a match and they said yes it's over so i i really like the idea of this but they did not do the groundwork to make it make perfect sense obviously they want the match they needed to put the emphasis on are we going to accept the stipulation that if they win this match then we have to break up if that had been you know marvez saying are you going to accept this stipulation where you have to break up the unit now this unit that's been together since the beginning of aw blah 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 you know, I thought that was the heart of their promo later, and and part of why that was good is like, no, that that's good. They put some put some stakes, they put some importance. They they told us why all these characters would care about breaking up and why these stakes mattered to them and all this shit. Um, but yeah, they just didn't they didn't have Marvez make that explicit where it's like, obviously you want to beat these guys' asses, but are you willing to put the inner circle on the line for it? They should have they should have underlined that three times. Yeah, that's fair. What they did instead was ask if they were going to accept their challenge when they were the ones who challenged uh, the other team. So, yeah. Weird. Scorpio Scott, Ethan Page were in the ring with Tony Schiavone. Scorpio said he used to like Sting, but now Sting's old. Ethan Page said he's going to be the nail in Darby's coffin. Sting's music hits. He and Darby come out. They brawl. Uh, Sting and Darby get the better of them. They're trying to bail, but the Dark Order blocks their way, and they have to exit a different way. <laughs> so that is a sort of like you know, double turn where it's like, oh, no, it's not just going to be the same attack and runaway. This time, the Dark Order are going to cut them off. Uh, but yeah, then they just <laughs> they just ran off through the wide open, empty sideway that they enter through half the time anyway. Okay. Uh, here was the pinnacle pre-tip that we talked about. Then Hikaru Shida defeated Rebel with a stretch muffler. And after the match, Britt attacked Shida, of course, leading to their match at double or nothing. I love Rebel. Rebel. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Everybody's saying Rebel. Yeah. I mean, how can't you like talk Rebel, about Rebel. Like, again? Rebel Rebel. Like talking about again about people who are just excellent at what they do. Like this was another really like amusing and well done squash was where like the moment where Rebel broke her crutch on Cheetah's back and Cheetah like wins and went like, okay, I'm done with this was just like a really great moment. And I feel like that this was a, uh, I feel like that this was something that they did a good step towards pay per view here with this match. I just I just remembered Rebel, uh, you know, behind the referee's back doing like jumping jacks and be like, I'm not injured at all, and just started laughing to myself. Um, yeah, it was great. Orange Cassidy was backstage with uh, Doctor Samson. I put that in quotes, in air quotes, if anybody was wondering. Television Doctor. Yes. Uh, Kenny and Don Cal are there to see him. They run off Chris Statt and the best friends. They offer him a contract where he gets out of the match at double or nothing because he's injured and gets to wrestle Kenny later. Uh, Orange very slowly tears up the contract. They threaten him, and then they have a second version of the contract, <laughs> which honestly made me laugh. It's like, ah, yeah, we knew you'd probably do that, so we brought another one. That was fun. Yeah, 
that that amused me greatly i thought this was this also made me appreciate like oh it's really nice to have a pro wrestling promotion that will take things that happen that are unplanned or happen in the course of a story or you know uh happen due to reaction from the crowd or whatever and just like integrate that into it so this was a really good heel kenny you know attempt to manipulate orange cassidy and he's you know being the valiant baby face there and everything and i was just like yeah okay this i i like this dynamic this doesn't make me like the Cracker Barrel Clash, the pay-per-view anymore, but uh, this was a well-executed segment. Inner Circle comes out. Uh, they're all talking about whether they want to accept the challenge. And Chris Jericho says uh, Blood and Guts was very hard on him. And basically, you know, they hurt him so bad that now he's motivated to hurt them in the stadium stampede. So they accept can you imagine how much better this promo had would be if they hadn't done the fucking champagne bath shit last week? This does yeah. not this does not fit in with the rest of this program at all. Or that this does. This fits in with the backstage attack that was so violent. This fits in with the super violent cage match. This fits in with all that shit. It does not fit in with the fucking champagne spray. <laughs> like why why they do that? I, I'm just wondering why no one has sprung Santana at this point. Like yeah, that, that, I mean that, Tony. Tony needs to bail him out at this point. And that, now you're being I negligent. Mean, I mean Jericho, you have all this money, and you talk about your champagne all the time. Mark Sterling is at the building. Like, come on, like you like you talk yeah. about inner circle being a family. I mean, you're not looking out for your family there. And look, COVID's still a problem in jails uh, around oh, the country. Yeah. So that would be uh, that'd be a concern for me. I don't know if Santana's vaccinated or not. So hard to say. Uh, then we had the, the Jade segment that we've talked about. And then the NWA Women's World title, Serena Deeb defeated Red Velvet with the Serenity Lock. Good match. Good yeah. match. Uh, I thought. Did you guys know this? I think, Mike, you also saw this in the Discord. Thoros pointed out that uh, Red Velvet's gear that she wears to the ring is intended to look like a, um apron, an apron. I did not notice that until uh, Thoris brought it up. I thought that she was a big Mortal Kombat fan. I didn't, uh, definitely had not noticed that. I was not in the Discord. Um, I was thinking about, you know, so she's announced from your mama's kitchen or whatever, which I was like, okay, that's her thing is that she's like cooked. She does her little taunt where she's like, I'm stirring a bowl. And I was like, is that cool? I was like, that's, that just seems kind of goofy. But now it's like, I guess her whole shit is that she cooks that's that's like a that's like a thing i mean it's a little passe at this point but like yeah cooking that's like a thing yeah for, like, i know they would you know nba players do it and shit um it, but yeah it seems like it, it was passe but then i was also like you know it's 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 honestly wrestling it doesn't matter what you do if you pre- repeat it enough like just doing it you know the the gym pop will be like hey i i know that reference and i can do it along with you stir my bowl so that's where I that's basically where I came out on it. But now that it's been revealed that she basically has a cook gimmick and she's named after cake, I'm kind of I have to reassess the whole thing. I have to think about this. <laughs> All right. Well, let us know. I, yeah, yeah, you need to report back to us, but this match rocked. Uh, whenever Red Velvet's been given an opportunity, she has knocked it out of the park here. And you know, other than like the weirdness about the NWA Women's World Title that we talked about earlier, solid match. Uh, next up, Pack was backstage with Alex Marvez. He says he's tired of getting robbed of opportunities in this company. Everybody saw what they tried to do to him last week, but now he has his match, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. 
good promo. Um, <laughs> it's frustrating because they are they, all these guys are you know, great performers. They're going to do great build and have great promos and shit. And it's just to a match that I fundamentally am not, and I'm opposed to as a it goes against my my vision of pro wrestling to have a Cracker Barrel Clash for the world title. Just call I me believe. Tanahashi. I'm sorry, call me Tanahashi, but that's just that's just how I feel. I respect that. That's pack rules. Like he looks great here. Tan Nate Hashi. Yeah. All right. It's me from now on. It's my hey, my to... icon on the Discord. Yeah. That's yeah. true. He just wants to feel the best, you know? And I'm I'm one in a century. Yeah, exactly. Your You're high flying high flying talent, you know, and you keep the full throttle. I hey, the... if there's anything I do, it's keep the full throttle. Exactly. You... If anybody's listening to this podcast, they know Nate's already burned all his energy before the podcast starts burn i think it's burned my all energy though burn my all. <laughs> didn't really oh work. i i thought you were doing a dig there i didn't realize that tanahashi has yet another great he was race. doing a dig i think i mean i wasn't really i was just i thought of a tanahashi thing and i thought how can i pull this mm. in and that was my only way to do it okay if anyone's lacking energy on this episode, i was about to say you want to have Aaron energy, you, you wanna have an energy hey. off right now buddy <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no it, yeah it's I, me yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm impressed with how we're doing, considering that uh, a puppy decided to wake me up two hours before we, he was supposed to get up today. So I think we're all very. Th- this is the loopy edition of we're, EE. We're doing our best. This Anthony Agogo is... won by ref stoppage. Uh, then we had SCU with Alex Marvez. Marvez asked Christopher Daniels what the future holds for him. He said nothing. He shook hands with Kaz, said something in Kaz's ear, and left. Uh, Kaz said he lost something important to him, and so he's going to hunt down every member of the elite. Very solid Kaz promo. Uh, yeah, we got to bring over uh, Yoshitatsu to I team did, with I Kaz. Did, I did ask for that, and then after I tweeted that, I saw probably 15 other people tweet the same thing, which is like, well, I, I did tweet this before everyone else, so I am smarter than all of them, but I did also have the same thought as all these other people, so I guess I'm not that smart. That's where I came down on that. Okay. That's reasonable, I think. Uh, Miro came out. He thanked Jesus for making him better than everyone. (laughs) And then he forgave Darby. I mean, you know, this was a very Christian promo, I thought. Forgave Darby for disrespecting him, but he takes what he wants. Issues an open challenge for next Friday. Uh, Lance Archer comes out and says he was here when, uh, when Miro was trying to have a day to himself. He says, now we're both big. I'm going to beat you up. Miro said, that really freaking hurts, Murder Hawk, which was one of the best line deliveries that I can remember. It's so good. Miro, like the names he selects for people, Charles, uh, Murder Hawk. He's just great. Like he's always been a star, you know. Yeah, I love Miro. He's just he's doing like extemporaneous trash talk here. Um, and just like he has these little I don't know, not even they're not just little things where his 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 English doesn't match up with like the perfect English or whatever, but it doesn't it like it all just totally enhances every part of his promo. Just like makes him feel so real and so raw, uh, but also like his energy is just so perfect heel energy that it's just it's I don't know. So many guys would have had a flat fucking promo in this spot, and he like just heightens everything that he's in. Um, <laughs> the we've talked about i think we talked about i don't know if it was main show how like saying bitch is like a very wwe thing to be like put an accent point on a promo and a you know oh he called me a bitch on wwe um so i i appreciated 
one, Lance Archer did hit the B and bitch extremely hard. Uh, so I appreciated that he like gave it his all. Uh, but Mira was like, oh, yeah, I haven't heard that one before. And that made me laugh. because He's like, yeah, it's fucking WWE shit. Also made me laugh that most guys, you know, like Max Caster, when he insults a guy, he's like, hey, your wife has a podcast called Oral Sessions. I can make a joke about that. But Lance Archer's version of that is like, you were in WWE and you had a, uh, tra- a gimmick where you said it's Rusev Day. She's and like, it was very popular. <laughs> you say, yeah, that, how about that for a reference? It's like, <laughs> Lance, you're, you're missing the part where you slam him here. Uh, have you guys ever seen Team America World Police? Yeah. Yes. Um, I know I have commented that Tony Khan resonates with wrestling fans because South Park is his major cultural touch point. But Team America, uh, this, when Miro says that really freaking hurts Murderhawk, it really reminded me of Kim Jong-il in Team America when he just says Hans Blix's name over and over again. Just some way, something about the way that he said it made me think of Hans Blix. That's really all. Okay, thanks everyone. Young Bucks. Well, I was debating whether I wanted to do, ooh, Aaron, now the communists are going to come for us because we talk shit about North Korea. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, no, I think I just want to leave it alone. I was trying to make it a Blix Bix joke and it just was not coming to me. <laughs> Hans Brix and Spanhausen. <laughs> there we go see you you got it i just there's a there's a there's a report that uh north korea has fired nuclear missiles into the ocean and they cut to hans blix and he's like wait what (laughs) (laughs) oh fuck that's very good i'm not even gonna try to riff on it because that was it was too good i'm not gonna keep going young bucks versus the varsity blondes uh matt jackson tapped out brian pillman in the sharpshooter after lots of shenanigans after the match, Mox and Eddie came out. They faced off with the Bucks. They attacked, put them to sleep with rear naked chokes, and stole their shoes. Yeah, I really. Uh, so the Bucks were on, I don't know, Sports Nation or something, uh, putting Nation, over, yeah, yeah putting mm-hmm. over their George Jordans. Um, and I really, I was impressed because it didn't, it didn't really even factor into me. I didn't, I didn't even think about this as a possibility. Like, oh, they could fuck with their shoes. Um, I, I probably should have seen it coming. They even did like a. A, a special insert shot of the Bucks shoes when they were making their entrance. Like, hey, now we're going to show their shoes for five seconds. Um, but then when they still went for the shoes, I was still delighted. Like, oh, they took their very expensive shoes. It made me happy. And the socks. Yeah, it was great. I have to agree. Uh, that was Dynamite for this week. Uh, if you like our show, you want to support it, the best way to do so is go to patreon.com slash everything elite. Subscribe. we got three tiers. Uh, we do bonus shows. On uh, this Monday, we did a theme draft where we picked some wrestlers and then we came up with uh, licensed entrance themes for them, played them on the show. Uh, no copyright people go looking for that or whatever, though. We didn't actually Please. play them. Yeah. They were It was uh, interpolations. And, uh, well, it was... they were interpolations because of the quality. <laughs> That's true. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it was an absolute blast. And... I feel like we're getting to a real moment about divorce dad playlists that's coming up. And, Did we get uh, a winner on the on the Patreon? Oh, it's the still favorite going. theme. Okay. Uh, the the poll is still going as voted on by our patrons. As I pull it up here, it's a really hotly contested race because there's 15 options, and you know how that goes there. And we did not do rank choice here. Uh, currently leading with one vote uh, ahead of others is Aaron's selection. Of DMX, what's my name for Eddie Kingston? Uh, right oh, don't, behind. Don't give too many of them away now. Uh, my, yeah, yeah. This is but, this but, is paywalled content. 
Well, uh, hey, now say, now if they have an opinion about it, then they have to pay to go vote. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's and, really uh, how it should be across the country is you have to pay uh, to vote. Don't you guys think? Yes, I agree. Uh, to just bring back the poll tax I see tonight. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, but both Nate and I have representatives that are one vote away from the Eddie Kingston DMX. Uh, easy shooting fish in the barrel that Aaron. What are they? Tell me what they are. All right. So, Nate, uh, you, Nate, you, God damn it. I want to yeah, know, yeah. and I don't. I can't get on the fucking page. All right, so Nate, uh, Anthony Gogo, uh, ah, Sean nice. Bates featuring topic, and Akon never gonna get it is one vote behind. That's Aaron. a great pick by me. And when Anthony Gogo entered on tonight's Dynamite, I was like, this his music just is not as good as my selection. Never gonna uh, get it, Aaron. Yeah. That's uh, what I thought it was gonna be when you told me that that was the name of the song. Yeah, uh, Aaron, your selection is Luther with Corn's uh, <laughs> Twist is one vote behind, and my vote. In my selection of QT Marshall having fuel hemorrhage in my hands is one vote behind. In my hands. This actually led to me playing. I found a divorced dad playlist on Spotify. Played it all night while uh, I made dinner. And Sarah and I just uh, fucking jammed out to the shittiest uh, songs of the mid 2000s. I think you're, you're kind of missing the point of a divorced dad playlist by doing that with your wife. Uh, Yeah, well... We can enjoy it together. That's why I have to use other people's divorced dad playlists. That's right. I just flexed on all the divorced people out there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I know. Getting canceled for that. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Go subscribe to our Patreon. We got a Discord. We'll do some retrospective content for Double or Nothing next week. We'll do a live instant reaction uh, soon thereafter. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do for Dynamite next week because it's on Friday night. I, yeah, I, I, don't know. I, I didn't realize that it was a live episode of Dynamite, but I guess it's an NBA preemption. I thought that originally that was another house show, but apparently they're just doing the TV there, which, hey, yeah. interesting card. So I can't really tell you what the show's going to be next week, but we'll let you know. You'll find out at some point, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week on Dynamite, they're going to do the TNT title Miro versus Dante Martin, Joey Janela versus Hangman Page, Anthony Gogo and Cody Rhodes will have a way in, Jade Cargill Open Challenge, a celebration of the inner circle. How fucking long is this show? Evil Uno and Stu Grayson versus Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Darby Allen versus Cesar Bononi. They're going to honor Hikaru Shida's one-year anniversary of being women's champion. And Orange Cassidy is going to respond to Kenny Omega and Don Callis. They're they're honoring both Hikaru Shida's title reign and the inner circle existing. That's uh Yes. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, those are equal, equally. Well, no, I just, and both of those things have a probable likelihood of ending at the pay-per-view. Makes yeah. you wonder. Um, oh, you know, I, I think they're probably, you know, trying to swerve us on one of them or the other. Uh, they they got to get this guy. What's his name? Ezra. Ezra Judge. Ezra Judge. They got to get this guy. Just just replace Cesar Barone with this Ezra Judge guy as far as uh, performance center washouts. I'm calling for it. I do not want to infuriate the bone zone, so I'm leaving Nate hanging in there. Uh, I hope they bring Ezra Judge in so I can uh, pick some songs off of Chung King Can Suck It for his entrance music. That joke is only for Chelsea, probably, and if Case Lowe's listening. I mean, that's obviously a better than Ezra joke. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> it's a joke of the band Judge, the 80s New York hardcore band Judge. Wow. Um. Uh, okay, you, and that's then, that's your first. Okay, yeah, that's my first thing. Uh, double or nothing. 
May 30th. They've announced apparently the full card women's world title, the Carlos Hita versus Britt Baker, Heyman Page versus Brian Cage, Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo for the men's world title, Kenny Omega versus Pac versus Orange Cassidy, Sting and Darby versus Scorpio Ethan Page. We are told this is not a cinematic match, Tony Schiavone told us live on Dynamite. For the tag titles, Young Bucks versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, the Stadium Stampede, the Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle, the TNT Championship, Miro versus Lance Archer, Lance Archer, and the Casino Battle Royale, special guest commentator, Paul White, special joker, Nick Gage. And this card looks really long, and I'm uh, hanging out with friends for the first time in a long time to watch it, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be four hours long. I might go to a movie um, theater. You're thinking about doing the uh, Cinemark thing? Yeah, I mean, my friend invited me to do it last time, and I wasn't like confident about it. So I was like, oh, I got a podcast right after, so maybe I shouldn't do that. We can just watch it in my place. Um, but, it, you know, it's kind of tempting. It is all kind of like, I don't know what the scene's going to be like. I don't know what the other AW fans at the movie theater are going to be like. That might be fun, though. Yeah. Might be fun. Are, are you going to join us midway? Oh, for the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Or you could you could call me on my drive back. And then I could I could dial in like I'm. Uh, That'd be so funny. Live on the scene. We do have that capability, so I'll put I'll put you on my car Bluetooth so I really sound awful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like that. You'll have uh, Blackpink playing in the background as you <laughs> as you yes. talk. That's just what I remember from the last time I was in your car. Nate was uh, listening to Blackpink on the way to a Blackpink concert. Well, no, and then on the way back we listened to Red Velvet. Not fresh out your mama's kitchen. Okay, well, we'll do a Double or Nothing preview on the Patreon when we do the retrospective of last year. So sign up for that. You're going to want to sign up anyway because you want to hear the the live as a reaction show. So sign up now so you get the preview and retrospective first. You get the live instant reaction. You get all the other stuff we do. We do lots of stuff. So go check us out, patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, ya. Subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review, uh, do our Patreon, and use the promo code ELITE over at mybookie.ag. I think that's it. So we'll be back to do something next week. I'm just not sure what it is. Uh, for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time. Okay.